You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. Continuing with our World Cup digest, covering latest matches and news. Today we're going to talk about matches number 35, 36, 37 and 38. These matches were played between uh, South Africa and Sri Lanka at Durham, Chesterley Street, Pakistan and Afghanistan at Headingley Leeds, Australia and New Zealand at Lords, and the last one between India and England played at Edgebaston. So let me welcome my co-host Ajit, so we can talk about this. Hello Ajit, how's it going? Hi Giri. I'm doing good. Well, uh, I'm hoping a very hectic week has come to an end for me, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll be back on uh, full time enjoying the World Cup. And well, um, it would it could have been more interesting if a couple of uh, the results had gone another way. But nonetheless, there's still plenty of excitement left as far mm-hmm. as we are concerned. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, well, at least uh, South Africa and uh, Afghanistan, West Indies, even to an extent Sri Lanka are probably knocked out. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see. Let's see how it goes. So let's get into it shortly. Mm-hmm. Before we do all that, let's look at the first match that's on our list. That's match number 35. This will be South Africa versus Sri Lanka. Right. So in this game, which is played in Chester Street on the 28th of June, uh, South Africa won the toss and elected to field first. So this was a pretty pretty much of a one-sided match. So Karuna Ratna was dismissed of the very first ball of the match by Rabada. Uh, you know, it was a ball that was just short of good length and uh, caught in two minds. Karuna Ratna uh, could not evade the ball or, uh, you know, block the ball confidently and it just took his bat and looped to the slip and he was dismissed, right? And uh, the two um, counter-attackers, uh, Kusal Pereira and Avishka Fernando, did a bit of damage there. And they took Sri Lanka to 67, even before the 10th over, at which time Avishka Fernando was dismissed. After this, there was not a lot to write home about, right? So Pereira also made just 30, Mendes made 23, Dhananjaya de Silva 24, uh, Ajanta uh, Jeevan Mendes 18, and then uh, Thisara Pereira 21 and Isuru Udana 17. So all in all, Sri Lanka made an underwhelming 203 all-out, uh, getting all-out in the last over. So when we look at the bowling stats, Rabada took 2 for 36, Morris 3 for 46, and Wayne Pretorius was coming back uh, into the South African squad in the place of uh, Lungi Ngidi took 3 for 25. Pelu took 1 for 38. Imran Tahir did not take a wicket but considered just 36 of his 10. And then JP Dumini, who was coming back into the squad in the place of the injured David Miller, took 1 for 15. Right? And there was not a lot uh, of panic uh, when South Africa chases down. It was a subpar total. And of course, even though Quentin de Kock got out early for 15 to Malinga, uh, Hashim Amla and then Fafti Plessy wrapped up the match without any more fuss. So Amla uh, made an unbeaten 80 and Fafti Plessy an unbeaten 96. So it's a welcome uh, form uh, mm-hmm. discovery by the South African batsmen, but probably a bit too late as far as they are concerned in the tournament. Right? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. South Africa's dream is all but over, right? Um, And so is probably Sri Lanka's, Mm -hmm. although it depends on a couple of other results uh, down the way. But what a disappointing end uh, to the World Cup for uh, South Africa, especially. I think the squad promised uh, promised so much Mm -hmm. uh, to start with. And then they lost a couple of uh, players 
even before the world cup started i think like arik norke yeah. this guy was injured i think they lost some firepower there and ngidi was unfit for a best better part of the tournament uh, and then you know return of form for amla as you said but yeah maybe it's a bit too late mm-hmm. in the end i think it's important for the team morale that uh, they get a win under their belt it's very important otherwise i think otherwise they were looking uh, really downbeat in all the matches that they played i think uh, some went uh, you know some some of them were very close matches like the one against india for example right. they, they there was a good fight back from them when they were bowling uh, but all in all um, yeah i think in the end uh, we this actually continued the same um, well the same tone as it did when when you talk about or when you think about the previously concluded uh, odi series between uh, south africa and sri lanka i think it was pretty much the same there was one sided and then this was yet another match where uh, you know sri lanka were completely uh, toppled over uh, by a very good south african team on the app let's hope mm-hmm. um yeah a bit of a dead rubber for both uh, both of them but let's see what happens uh, in the upcoming days <laughs> If right. something opens up for uh, Sri Lanka we're not sure yet but we'll uh, keep an eye out for that well i mean it was a bit underwhelming for sri lanka because at the beginning of this match they still had a chance but at the end of it it was it was all but snuffed out right so yeah, yeah you're right but uh, you know there's still a bit of pride to be salvaged i'm sure yeah and the and the good thing here is the um, the rise of a youngster Mm. by the name of uh, abishka fernando i was watching him bat i think i watched him in a couple of matches actually and he looks very fluent uh, dare i say almost like uh, rohit sharma he is a very good timer of the ball right uh, and um, he looked very comfortable against the short pitch bowling if you remember against that match uh, in uh, i think against the match or against england previously he hooked a jofra archer bouncer for a huge six over the square leg boundary so he has a lot of potential so it's it's all in all i think uh, they've they've discovered some new uh, talent there in that mm. squad and hopefully uh, it uh, augurs well for them uh, in the in the future so they need to build a team around uh, youngsters like him right i would say yeah well i mean maybe somebody like dinesh chandimal also comes back to the squad mm. they look completely listless the middle order was not really doing its job so maybe he can still shore it up if he can put aside the differences with the board and what not that's one mm. thing the other thing uh, well is it is it too much to always compare uh, he's a right hander isn't he avishka so maybe mm. it's it's unfair for me to say it but is he like anything like mahela jayawardena or one of the other greats that like ireland has produced um i would say mahela jayawardena was it was a bit more languid you know uh, avishka looks like he hits the ball very hard but right. at the same time he times the ball mm-hmm. uh, so he has all the good technique i saw some back foot cover drives amazing you know you can play those back foot especially the back foot cover drive can only be played by a guy who is really talented it's one of the most difficult shots as you know right so he's good of the back right. foot he's of good of the front foot um he's good very good down the ground you know straight drives and all those and he was very good with the flick shot good balance i saw those things um so i think it's too early to draw a comparison uh, so let's hold back a bit more let's okay. see him develop a bit more i think he's just 21 years old mm-hmm. um he has a long career ahead of him if he's nurtured in the right way maybe somebody like sangakara you know does uh, helps him a bit because i saw him uh, sangakara do an analysis of avishka as soon as he was dismissed 
and he immediately pointed out a few flaws in his technique so there is still some you know uh, defects to be ironed out and you know uh, some improvements to be brought about in his batting technique I, i'm sure it looks very good it looks very promising for uh, sri lankan batting in the future if he continues in the same vein of form right do you do you have any other observation points here from this match well i mean if you look at just this match right uh, the other thing i noticed is uh, the ineffectiveness of uh, the middle order again matthews he did his job in one of the matches but also there were always starts so sri lankans could not convert the start at all so that was a bit of a letdown i think because yeah. south africa were good but nonetheless probably um, nobody decided to buckle down eat up a couple of balls the dot balls that is and then make mm-hmm. sure you know they take the innings deep but that didn't happen so for sure you know that was a very lackluster performance and i, I found a very interesting article where the skipper of Karna, um, sri lanka karuna ratna saying that uh, the sri lankan middle order does not have any confidence so that's a very interesting uh, thing to hear from a skipper who comes out and says it after a very key match so probably we'll go into it in a bit more detail in another time but that's a very weird thing to hear right yeah for sure let's yeah. see <laughs> so shall we look at the next match that was played uh, between pakistan and afghanistan a cracker go for it go for with it. a lot of expectation uh, from the neighboring countries mm-hmm. uh, people talking about revenge and all that uh, some off field topics as well i think we I remember watching a video by uh, the passionate shoaib akhtar mm, talking mm. about a few things you know by uh, some statements made by uh, made by the afghanistan administration cricket administration and all that so there was a lot of tension and a lot of hope hype right. building up uh, prior to this match mm-hmm. uh, in the end i think a fair result uh, in terms of who won the match but it it was not short of a, you know misadventure by pakistan in the end so right. <laughs> it's it's a very strange match so let me summarize what happened so afghanistan won the toss at uh, you know headingly leads uh, and uh, decided to bat first because i think they thought it was a slowish wicket and it was expected to slow down even more with help for their spinners in the mm-hmm. latter part of the match that was the hope afghanistan began <clears throat> steadily to some extent uh, although they lost uh, gulbadin their captain uh, very quickly i think it was 27 or something the score um and after that they had a succession of wickets hashmatullah shahidi was dismissed for a duck you know i think it was probably by shahin shafridi in two consecutive deliveries and he was on a hat trick but unfortunately couldn't get a hat trick right um rahmat shah looked the more com- more composed of their batsmen but he was also dismissed eventually uh, right uh, by um, madwasim mm. and then um, some middle order you know stability was provided by ikram alikhil who was promoted up the order the wicketkeeper batsman 18 year old wicketkeeper batsman and he was joined by asghar afghan the former captain and they put on a steady partnership i think it was about um, 65 to 70 runs ikram alikhil uh, basically played a test innings he was just absorbing a pressure mm-hmm. and did not mm-hmm. score a lot of runs but asghar afghan looked very fluent he was also hitting the ball very nicely Uh, Asghar Afghan was dismissed eventually by uh, Shahab Khan the leg spinner he was bowled by him for 42 runs uh, Ikram Ali Khil uh, was dismissed very shortly after that uh, for 24 runs and then Afghanistan were five down for 125 runs um, in the 27th over hmm. and then Muhammad Nabi tried to you know uh, stay there at the crease i think but he was not his usual self he was not able to accelerate or build an innings and then accelerate like he did against india for example 
uh, although you know Najibullah Zadran who is I think batting a bit lower down the order he must be promoted in my opinion but we'll talk about that later uh, he he tried to you know inject some momentum into their innings by scoring a 42 with uh, four fours um, Samiullah Shinwari held his ground and he, he put on us you know he got a start but he didn't convert that although you know he was not very fluent he got 19 runs Rashid Khan looked uh, attractive in his short play but he was dismissed eventually by uh, Shahin Shafridi and uh, Hamid Hassan the returning fast bowler uh, he was also dismissed uh, by Wahab Riyas for one run in the end Afghanistan managed a score of 227 runs for the loss of nine wickets in their 50 overs when it comes right. to bowling Pakistan open, opened their bowling with uh, the left arm spin of uh, Imad Wasim he picked up a couple of wickets for 48 runs. Mohammad Amir was very economical, but he didn't pick up a wicket in his 10 overs and went for 41 runs. Mohammad Hafiz bowled a couple of overs for 10 runs. Um, Shadab Khan bowled 10 overs of his leg break, googly, and then picked up a wicket for 44 runs. Wahab Riyas bowled very well, especially during the death overs and the latter part of the middle overs. He picked up a couple of wickets for 29 runs in his eight overs. And Shahin Shafridi, was the pick of the bowlers he picked up four wickets yet again a uh, big number of wickets there for 47 runs he looked very good but he also leaked away a few runs at the uh, at the beginning of the innings but in the end i think it was a probably an under par total on this pitch and yeah. we or everybody expected that pakistan would chase it down uh, comfortably but afghanistan had other ideas and pakistan themselves had other ideas obviously uh, fakhar zaman was dismissed for a duck uh, Imamul Haq uh, and Baba Razam put on a very good partnership of 72 runs for the first wicket, second wicket uh, before uh, Imamul Haq was dismissed. Stumped of Muhammad Nabi playing an audacious sort. I don't know, short. I don't know why he did that because they were mm. cruising along very nicely. Right. And Baba Razam was actually admonishing uh, Im uh, Imamul Haq as soon as he was dismissed. And uh, quite surprisingly, Baba Razam himself uh, got out in quite you know uh, in a very short period of time soon after that um, so imam made 36 babar made 45 and then hafiz and hari sohail tried to you know study the innings again build a partnership uh, but hafiz was dismissed for 19 when he was on 19 by mujib and uh, hari sohail was also go out soon after that uh, having made 27 runs after that, you know, uh, Sarfraz Ahmad and uh, Ahmad Wasim, they were both batting together very nicely. Uh, and Sarfraz was <laughs> uncharacteristically run out, I would say. I think there was a, he was trying to attempt a second run when there was no second run. It was his own call and then he, well, he was well short of his ground and then he was dismissed. And then suddenly Pakistan was six down for 156 runs in the 39th over. Um, so... Pakistan should have, you know, been in a more comfortable position, but yeah, they had found themselves to be, <laughs> uh, you know, staring down the barrel. And uh, Afghanistani spinners were bowling really well. Uh, they were not letting Pakistan off the hook. They were bowling very economic, uh, economically. They were bowling good line and length. They were turning the ball. The pitch was very conducive for spin bowling as well. And Imad was really struggling to get he, get a ball, get his bat on ball, basically. Mm. And surprisingly, with so many overs of spin remaining, Gulbadin, the Afghanistani captain, he brought himself on to bowl his uh, medium pace 
in the 46th over and i think pakistan required something like uh, uh, in 30 balls they needed something like 40 odd runs or something yeah and then he yeah. went for i think 18 runs in one over and that basically turned the match turned the match on its head yet again uh, afghanistan had a clear cut chance of winning this had probably had he been you know uh, had he stuck to his spin bowling options but he brought himself on and then because of that uh, and uh, also because wahab riyas came in and you know uh, threw his long handle a bit and then scored a six and a four and then the match was over before uh, pakistan or afghanistan realized it in the end a fair result i would say because pakistan bowled really well and uh, they chased this target down with two balls to spare uh, imad wasim remained not out on 49 runs well done to him um, in terms of bowling options uh, afghanistani spinners bowled really well mujib uh, mohammad nabi uh, rashid khan and also uh, samiul ashinwari bowled his leg breaks so rashid khan uh, picked up one wicket for 50 runs in his 10 overs nabi was very very economical fantastic bowling figures two wick- wickets for 23 runs in his 10 overs amazing economy there 2.3 mujib picked up a couple of wickets and he also opened the bowling for afghanistan so he went for 34 runs 34 runs in his uh, 10 overs hamid hassan i think was injured uh he bowled just two overs and then went for 13 runs did not pick up a wicket gulbadin unfortunately went for a lot of runs 73 runs in his 9.4 overs didn't pick up a wicket uh in the end um for his uh, all round performance imad wasim was adjudged the player of the match from pakistan he picked up a couple of wickets as well as uh, you know saw pakistan home in the end um so pakistan's hopes still i would say remain alive uh, also depending on other teams but uh, in the end i think uh, what do you think well uh, there are a couple of uh, very interesting talking points but before we get to those let's look at the batting order of afghanistan it, it was a bit uh, weird to see ikram ali khil coming uh, ahead of the likes of askar afghan or nabi or even samiul ashanwari so najibul azadran is treated as a hitter but i think that's not right because i think he can play both the holding as well as the hitting sort of a game in this case uh, to see ikram ali khil walk in at 4 was a bit of a surprise he is actually uh, more of a test match batter as you say and he was also a star at the under 19 level but i don't think he's been able to make the transition yet maybe the time will come shortly i would have seen somebody like nabi come in or even samuel ashanwari come in at 4 because they are also good at controlling the game much like a more experienced i don't know angelo matthews kane williamson they can bunt the ball here and there and move the score this is where i think they made a bit of a mistake uh, he may have taken up some of the momentum because his scoring rate of 36 was a bit too low that meant askar afghan had to always go on the charge given that nabi also could not get the ball rolling again the same thing happened that pressure fell on najibulla samuel ashanwari also had a very weirdly you know slowish innings but in the end as you say 227 for 9 was not going to be a good score it was 20 to 30 runs below par but they made it really work for them right when we come to the pakistani bowling uh, i would like to mention uh, the good work done by wahab riyas in spite of a broken finger it looks like he came out to play for his team and he took two for 29 he had a couple of uh, let's say wides that probably was not very welcome also he considered a few boundaries which i don't think sarfraz liked but at the end of the day he was very very effective right mm-hmm. this is one thing the other thing when it came his turn to bat i think it was the same problem he had to get his uh, sort of finger numbed through spray and he came out to bat 
I think he hit the two possibly most important boundaries in that innings. Even though Imad Wasim took, uh, you know, Najibullah for, uh, sorry, uh, Gulbadin for 18 runs in that over. There were two fours hit by uh, Wahab Riyas. So, against Rashid Khan. So, mm-hmm. Imad Wasim looked a bit uncomfortable against Rashid Khan and he was not able to really get him away for runs. Off his last two overs, which Rashid bowled, uh, Wahab Riyas hit him for one boundary each, a four and a six. And those were the most crucial blows because otherwise the momentum was getting lost in every Rashid Khan over. So he did really well there. So a special mention to Wahab Riyas who really helped his team out. Now, when we come to take a look at Pakistani batting, the other point I noticed was, well, how Imam Ulhaq has a, he has a tendency to rush at the bowler and he, I think he sort of premeditates this. In Nabi's case, I think he seemed to have read it of Imam Ulhaq's body language and the ball that he bowled to uh, Imam Ulhaq was a very wide one. It was almost as if predetermined also by the bowler and the keeper of Afghanistan that mm-hmm. they would throw a ball wide and it was almost a full toss directly aimed at the keeper's hands. It worked. Imam Ulhaq blindly charged and was stumped. So, you are right that, you know, Babar found also that, also saw this whole interplay and he saw how Imam Ulhaq was outthought. This is one thing. The other thing, the ball that got Muhammad Hafiz out, Muhammad Hafiz did not look as comfortable as normal and somehow his form seems to be dipping. Uh, he looks comfortable at the crease, but he's not able to take charge. So, as a result, um, you know, um, the ball that got him out was slightly slower by uh, Mujibur Rahman. That meant that the ball that was going to probably, it was a, a ball that deserved to be cut, but the cut went a bit squarer than he had anticipated and went straight to the fielder's hand. So, he was also sort of worked out well. And then I think there are a couple of important drop catches. Both of the bowling of Samuel Ashanwari, if I'm not wrong. One was also a cotton bowl. I think both were cotton bowl. Yeah. So Samuel Ashanwari, if he had taken either of those, could have been very pivotal. The other thing is the fielding. So I think Asghar Afghan dropped a very crucial catch. The over in which there were 18 runs that were considered by Gulbuddin. The second of those was a was a skyer that Asghar Afghan completely misjudged and could not even get close to. So that was a very big blow, I thought. Right. If at that point in time, if Imad Wasim was dismissed, I don't think Pakistan could have gotten across the line because the incoming batters would have been Muhammad Amir and Shahin Shah Afridi. And as well as Wahab Riyaz batted, maybe Shadab Khan would have still been at the crease. But I don't think that would have been possible. So that was very important there. And of course, you already highlighted the other point. With enough force of spin left, I don't, I don't know why Gulbadin really bowled himself. That was probably very crucial because Imad Wasim was struggling against the slower bowling, and the moment he got pace on the bat, he was able to capitalize. And he really did a good job. So, of course, rightly judged the man of the match, so nothing to take a, a take away from his performance. The other couple of talking points are what happened off the field, right? So, we know there were some uh, banners displayed from the planes, uh, and they caused some consternation among the supporters. They were political in nature, and ICC was not very happy about it. Outside of that, this started sort of a debate among Pakistani and Afghani fans in the crowd. And as a result, there were some clashes in the ground and uh, in this, among the spectators and some had to be evicted. This is one thing that happened. The other thing, a couple of Afghani fans charged out into the field to meet their fans and heroes, so to say, which was not yet seen in this World Cup. And they were uh, mm-hmm. tackled by the, let's say, the stewards and they were taken away. Uh, when Gulbadin was asked about it later, uh, he laughed it off saying they are just, uh, you know, fans, they want to touch us, they want to just be close to us. So it's just a, you know, a matter of a little bit of an ill-judged uh, gesture, nothing else. So uh, some of these interesting points happened all through this match and it was a through, through and through thriller. And even going into the last over, 
I would say if mm. it was given to a spinner, or Samuel Ashanwari was the only spinner left. Yeah. But probably if that over had been reserved, probably the 48th or the 49th over was reserved, mm. and maybe Rashid Khan got the last over, or Nabi, who was sort of still, you know, Nabi could have been used. This was the point I thought, you know, maybe missed by Gulbadin. So it was mm. almost like, you know, Nabi bowled a fantastic spell. He took just uh, two wickets, but in his 10 overs, he considered only 23 runs. So there. Mm. Those overs needed to be saved when you saw that you know they were struggling. It almost looked like Asghar Afghan was captaining and Gulbadin was just a proxy there, yeah. and it, it did not appear right. You know, some of these things that are happening, we are very crucially, um, you know, missing a couple of links here. So I would not comment on it, but let's see what happens once Phil Simmons has something to say. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving forward, let's look at the other match, the match uh, that was played on the same day. This was a day-night encounter between Australia and New Zealand. So in this case. Um, it was also a little bit of a thriller, let's say, because it was a low-scoring game. So in this game, uh, this was played uh, in uh, Lords. So in this game, uh, Australia had won the toss and elected to bat first, but they were not particularly successful. So having opened with the batting with a very successful pair, Warner was dismissed for 16 and Finch for 8. And it looked like Finch of old, you know, where uh, he was caught plumb in front by a ball coming into him by Bolt. He was out for 8. Warner struggled a little and could not find the fluency and he was caught behind of Ferguson. Usman Khwaja batted really well. He took the innings deep. Even though he could not really get away with a strike rate into 70s or 80s, he took his time and made sure his team got to a total that was competitive. He scored 88 of 129 balls, which in the end really mattered. Stephen Smith was out for five, but the ball that was uh, taken to dismiss him was good. But the catch, so it was very intuitive field placing where there was a field... Uh, kept for a leg glance or a leg glide and Martin Guptill probably the best catcher in the New Zealand team stood at that position and he pulled off a blinder to get Steven Smith out Marcus Stoinis made 21 and then again Glenn Maxwell failed here so a lot of credit go to, goes to carry because when he walked into bat Australia were uh, in a bit of trouble to say the least they were 5 for 92 again this is the second time they're 5 down under 100 uh, facing a quality attack and that meant you know he had to buckle down he did that very effectively and he kept rotating the strike in the initial part of his innings, but later he began to pick a bit of momentum. So with Khwaja playing so steadily, he had the license to go for it, and he scored nearly a runner ball 71. Pat Cummings came at the end and toyed a bit of impetus. Even though Khwaja could not uh, get 100, his 88 was probably match-winning. Right? When it comes to the bowling, Trent Bolt got four wickets, and he took a, a hat-trick here. Right? So he dismissed um, Pat... Uh, sorry. Uh, he was able to dismiss... Um, Khwaja and then Stark and Berendorf of successive balls and this was the last over of the innings and he finished with 4 for 51 and then Lockie Ferguson bowled with a lot of menace and his figures at the end did not do justice to that 2 for 49 of 10 overs uh, Jimmy Neesham took uh, 2 for 28 of 6 and Kane Williamson himself saw that the Australian bowler batsman was struggling against Pin and he took 1 for 25 Sodi had been brought into this match but he was curiously introduced close to the 30th over and he took uh, no wickets and considered 35 runs of his six overs. And Colin de Grandhomme did a very good job. Eight overs, one for 29. Uh, sorry, one made in 29 runs and no wickets. When it came their turn to bat, New Zealand was still, you know, sort of favourites because only a target of 244. But as usual, their uh, top order batting let them down. Martin Guptill made just 20. And Henry Nichols, who's been brought into the squad in place of Colin Munro, also failed, made just eight. All of this was down to excellent seam and swing bowling by Berendorf at the beginning, who took both their wickets. And Stark, who had dismissed 
the crucial wicket of Kane Williamson because Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor again set up uh, tried uh, to set up the innings but Kane Williamson was crucially dismissed uh, for 40 with the score on 97 Ross Taylor also tried hang on hanging on a bit but was dismissed for 30 when the score was 118 this meant a lot of pressure fell back on the middle order usually Colin de Grandhomme delivers he couldn't this time he was out of the very first ball of the bowling of smith i think this was a bit of an ego play where you know smith was brought on to bowl and he thought how dare he bowl at me he lofted the first ball he faced straight down long off stroke it was a silly shot and something you would expect uh, some, not him to play but uh, he got he got away uh, and then tom laidham failed again i mentioned to the catch that smith took off the bowling of stark here tom laidham had fairly walloped the ball but Smith really dove and took a wonderful, wonderful catch to dismiss him for 14. Mitchell Santler hung around a bit, but there was nothing to write about, and they were comfortably, uh, comfortably dismissed for 157. Again, Mitchell Stark took a 5-4. He took 5 for 26 of his 9.4 overs. Berendorf started really well, took 2 for 31 of 9. Pat Cummins was played a good holding role, uh, taking 1 for 14 in 6 overs. Nathan Lyon was uh, took his first World Cup wicket. Uh, right he took one for 36 and he decided to take his own uh, catching as well so you know he had dismissed jimmy nisham which was an important wicket as well steven smith given the surprising role took one for six of two overs and then the rest of the overs were completed also by some spinners so that was very interesting all in all it appears a bit one sided and that was very strange right when we look at uh, some of the talking points kiri do you have any nice points for us yeah the first and foremost australia have qualified to the knockout stage now so they will play in a semi final right um so they they await the results from the other matches and then the pecking order will be decided and then based on that if they finish top of the table then they will finish the fourth position team and if they finish second then they will play against the third position team so something like that right. so that's um, so congratulations to australia for mm. having uh, qualified um the strange thing for me was new zealand's batting performance i think for for a change Uh, Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor were not able to rescue them on this occasion, and uh, uh, Mitchell Stark's, you know, bowling uh, performance continues to uh, excel and uh, you know improve, and uh, he probably might end up becoming the most successful, uh, you know, fast bowler in uh, World Cup cricket. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, th- there was a graphic they pulled up during the match, which said he has something like 24 wickets at the end of that match. Right. uh having picked up 22 wickets already in the preceding world cup in uh, 2015 right so he has about 46 wickets and he has at least one more match to go uh one or two matches actually so one league match and then the other one will be a semi final so he has two more matches to go he has yeah he, he might pick up uh, some more wickets there so 46 wickets in two, just two world cups do you think that's a good number oh that's a fantastic number come on <laughs> Uh, I think Chaminda was played in three World Cups and took 49 wickets. So mm-hmm. 46 and 2 is not bad, and he might even have 50 maybe before the World Cup is done, mm-hmm. right? That's very good. And you know he's very much on target. Given he's 29 years old, he's heading up to take the record away from Glenn McGrath, who has 71, right? From four World Cups. So mm-hmm. in another World Cup already, maybe Mitchell Stark will beat that. So that's fantastic. As we were talking in the previous episode as well. come the world cup something happens to this guy he completely switches on right yeah. and that's a bad thing for all opponents of australia <laughs> the other thing is you said right he took um, 46 wickets he has taken them at an average of 12 and a half per wicket that's crazy that's really really crazy so 
he's mm. like a real giant killer so maybe this is also a more switched on stark when india played um, australia they were able to bunt him out it remains to be seen uh, if india and australia were to ever play each other again in this world cup how it goes right mm. the other thing well i mean the batting model that new zealand have come up with really i mean this is a bit of a weird thing because uh, they are you expect a new zealand batting lineup to do a little bit better than this take away ken williamson maybe also to an extent ross taylor and there's nothing there tom latham has been a complete failure martin guptill who's usually giving them good starts hasn't done much colin munro finally the patience ran out right colin de grandhom has been also very reliable but unfortunately him and jimmy nisham who were able to make up the numbers and make sure you know new zealand get close to the target at least completely failed here mm. the other thing they they they've been rigging the changes so the other thing for them is they have at least one more match but what it what this means is that one more match will become very important for them that will yeah. at least yeah. determine where they finish if at all and maybe you know they also may miss out if they are not careful here so that's very crucial for them and that given that you know england are also in a similar position and they play england it's going to be a mouth watering match for me right? yeah absolutely yeah i think uh, my question is did new zealand peak peak too early in this tournament are they on the decline <laughs> do you think because they had a close match against west indies as well which shouldn't have been so close they should have finished it off they shouldn't have let uh, brathwaite full credit to him he uh, he played a very good innings he played a very good century then uh, but they maybe they should have finished it off much earlier and yeah i mean i think the this time the batting uh, is a bit of a concern and uh, if ken williamson and rostella do not click then the others don't seem to uh, you know uh, do well uh so so i mean i'm 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 really curious about i mean as to what's going to happen in the next few matches because i think the lot of positions opening up now you know because of these kinds of results australia of course have qualified uh, and then um, india still stand a good chance to qualify they have a few matches new zealand has just one match and uh, i think uh, india playing new zealand i think you're going to talk about that we're going to talk about that anyway shortly right. uh, and pakistan and bangladesh bangladesh may have an outside chance but i think pakistan is still you know knocking on that door so it's going to be very interesting in the next couple of days at least um, yeah i think india bangladesh is going to be key and after that they will uh, will probably see uh, a pattern emerging which will uh, right. probably settle down interesting yeah. all right uh let's then look at quickly the uh, highlights of the mm-hmm. match between india and england yeah so edgebaston india and england played uh, this match at edbash edgebaston uh england won the toss and uh, owen morgan uh, decided to bat first um uh, england began began very cautiously india bowled very well uh, indian fast bowlers uh, mohammad shami and uh, jaspreet bumrah i think we can call them fast bowlers now because they consistently bowl uh, 140 plus these days um uh, so the initial spell was very good with the new ball uh, so england were very cautious they didn't try to take any undue risk but then you know the return of jason roy i think seems to have done their squad so much of uh, a difference there i think in a positive way jason roy and johnny besto uh, put on a first wicket partnership of 160 runs in 22.1 overs can you imagine that so they are back to their old form now <laughs> right. so this is what england always want to do they always want to bat first put up a score big score and i think looking at this opening partnership they were due a big score i think uh, i remember uh, following this score line uh, uh, earlier in the day and then i noticed i mean i was thinking to myself 
maybe a 400 is possible here because 160 in 22 hours you you can easily double that right <clears throat> and add another 50 runs to that so but then um jason roy was hold out uh, to um, ravindra jadeja who came in as a substitute <clears throat> for uh, kl rahul Mm-hmm. he took a fantastic catch a diving catch uh, right. at long on and uh, once that happened um, johnny besto and uh, joe root got together put on another good partnership i think uh, approximately i think 45 runs 45 to 50 runs before which i think johnny besto scored his century he made 111 um, but he seemed to be out of touch as soon as, as soon as he scored his century i think he was not finding the middle of his bat he looked very fidgety Mm. And then he tried to, you know, uh, hit Shami out of the park. And then he was caught at a deep cover by Rishabh Pant for a well-made 111 runs. So the opening openers clicking really well there. And then Owen Morgan was uh, dismissed very quickly by a short pitch delivery, a good tactic tactic, uh, used by Shami, like uh, Mitchell Stark did in the previous match. And then um, Joe Root and uh, uh, Ben Stokes, had a very good partnership i think 70 runs i think this was a very crucial partnership although they were very slow in the i think between the overs for 30 and 40 they made they ensured that no no further wickets were lost and then joe root was eventually di- dismissed uh in the 45th over mm-hmm. when he was on 44 runs okay. trying to accelerate but then uh, i think that was expected in the end um josh butler uh, came in to bat then along with uh, Ben Stokes. Uh, he played a couple of very good shots and then he was dismissed soon after. But the score was already past 300 by then. I think 310 was the score when Butler was dismissed and we were mm-hmm. in the 47th over. And Ben Stokes, um, you know, he was still there. He was batting really nicely. He was very uh, fluent. He was hitting a few boundaries and sixes and then. Uh, Along with the others like Chris Wokes and Liam Plunkett and Jofra Archer, England managed. He managed to drag the uh, score to 337 runs for uh, seven wickets before he was dismissed uh, in the final over uh, uh, by uh, <coughs> Bumrah. So, bowling figures: Mohammad Shami picked up five wickets, so it's a mm-hmm. five-wicket haul for him, uh, and uh, went for 69 runs. He was a bit expensive, but only in the latter part of the uh, innings, I have to say, but the initial spell was very good. Bumrah was as miserly as always, 44 runs for one wicket in his 10 overs. Mm-hmm. Um, Hardik Pandya with his medium pace went for 60 runs in his 10 overs, did not pick up a wicket, but if you look at it from the context of his game, I think uh, this was not such a bad bowling performance. Mm-hmm. But very crucially, the Indian spinners, uh, Chahal and Kuldeep Yadav, they went for a lot of runs. Kuldeep, although he picked up a wicket, he went for 72 runs. While uh, Chahal, I think he this is probably one of the worst bowling figures by an Indian bowler. Probably next to Javagal Srinath from the 2003 final. Uh, he went <laughs> right. for uh, 88 runs in his 10 overs. Mm. I think in that match, Srinath might not even have finished his 10 overs, if I remember it right. right. Um, <clears throat> Indian innings, KL Rahul um, where, you know, got out for a duck. He was cotton bowled by uh, Chris Wokes of his own bowling. <clears throat> then Rohit Sharma and Virat Kohli uh, played very, uh, you know, uh, I think they, they had a very pedestrian partnership to start with. They were not scoring a lot of runs. I think India's first 10 overs only got them 28 runs. 
for the loss of one wicket. So they were really slow in the first 10 overs. And then they began to accelerate uh, ever so slightly. And then Kohli found his rhythm. Rohit Sharma also played a few shots. And Kohli was dismissed in the 29th over um, when the score was 146. So <clears throat> India still needed a lot of runs. Uh, but, you know, Rohit Sharma was joined by Rishabh Pant. Rishabh Pant playing in his first match in place of uh, Vijay Shankar. Of course, uh, he made 32 runs before he was, before he was uh, out. Um, caught in the deep by Plunkett. Rohit Sharma himself was out. Uh, you know, caught by caught behind by Butler of the bowling of Wokes, having made a very good century, but he could not con you know convert that century into a very big century like he normally does. Um, and then right. I think uh, India's middle order basically did not click. They did not fire. There was no momentum that was added by the uh, middle order there. Uh, when uh, Hardik Pandya and uh, Mahindra Singh Dhoni got together, I think Hardik Pandya was the only guy who looked like hitting the ball cleanly mm. and out of the park. Right. Uh, he, he was the only guy who was trying to inject some momentum, basically. Uh, Dhoni was trying to support him to start with. And then when Hardik Pandya was uh, dismissed by Plunkett, caught in the deep by James Wins mm -hmm. for 45, Dhoni and Kedar Jadav um try to you know <laughs> try to india take india home but i think they they were horribly short uh, hardik pandya was dismissed when the score was 267 runs that was the fall of the fifth wicket dhoni and jadav both of them remained not out dhoni with 42 runs in 31 deliveries uh with four four fours and a six and kedar jadav himself was not out on 12 but india although they reached 306 for the loss of five wickets in 15 50 overs mm -hmm. uh, i think when pandya was out they basically lost the chase they they looked very down i think they didn't even they probably gave up i think by the body language uh, if you looked at the body language of dhoni and jadav uh, i think mm -hmm. they probably gave up i don't know why but there are some questions to be answered there and uh, virat kohli himself in the press conference said they still needed to talk about this and understand what happened there because he thought dhoni was not able to uh, hit the ball well because england was england were england bowlers were bowling really well right anyway talking of bowling uh, english bowlers i think they bowled really well they had a very good match today they were very good in the uh, initial part of the innings you know like i said 10 overs 28 runs uh, in the first power play uh, when india batted chris wokes uh, went a couple of big actually picked up a couple of wickets went for 58 runs although he had three maidens in his initial spell. I think that was very crucial. It made sure India didn't get off to a very quick, you know, good start. Um, Jofra Archer did not pick up a wicket, but he went for 45 runs. Liam Plunkett went for uh, 55 runs in his 10 overs, but picked up three wickets, I think three crucial wickets. Uh, he was brought in especially because he's very good during the, so to speak, boring middle overs with his cutters and slower balls. I think he was... I think he was vital to this victory. Let me put it that way. Uh, Adil Rashid with his legs, leg break went for 40 runs in his uh, six overs. Ben Stokes tried his hand with his uh, fast medium bowling but went for 34 runs in his four overs. And Mark Wood, yeah, I think he bowled his 10 overs but went for a lot of runs. He went for 73 runs. But in the end, it was a comprehensive victory uh, for England. For England and uh, I think India were still in the game until the 45th over after which they just gave up the i think the fumes they, they were just blown away by england and 
the batting did not uh, work for india the middle order is not firing unfortunately mm-hmm. uh, for his century in, uh, in in england's innings johnny besto was uh, awarded the player of the match uh, in england with this victory still remain in contention for a semi final spot uh, it has made pakistan's life a little difficult now because of this victory because right. if england had lost this match then pakistan would have been still in the game and i think it would have played to their advantage right uh, but now it 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 looks like pakistan have to fight it really hard and uh, we still don't know what's going to happen until they play their uh, last match so what is your take on this do you think uh, india did well enough yeah i mean you match? already captured it more or less that you know um yeah it looked like the moment pandya got out with still about 30 31 balls left india may have not gone for it as hard as possible look they have bowled really well nothing to take away from how archer bowled and plunkett bowled to a very large extent as well towards the end um, even though chris wokes went for a few runs you are absolutely right his three maidens were very crucial so india were 28 for 1 going into the 11th over in a chase of 335 plus that is a bit less i mean i understand the bowlers are bowling mm-hmm. well but it would probably behoove the batsman to go and uh, take a bit more risks because there are two new balls to be had and there are gaps in the field and we are talking of rohit sharma and kohli there's nobody else right that was a bit unexpected so there i thought india gave up 20 runs mm-hmm. and the other 15 or 20 runs were given up when we did not go hard enough uh, after the 45th over i completely yeah. understand that you know somebody i think you were mentioning to me off air ganguly was saying that you know what's the point of being 306 for 5 why can't you be 300 all out or 298 all out or whatever right mm. so that seems absolutely right because in my opinion as well it would make sense even if you looked silly trying to go for the shots because yeah. if even one of those edges or top edges one of those come off right mm-hmm. uh, it it could change the complexion of the game it looked like they had pulled the pet foot of the pedal so i'm also curious what uh, comes out of the indian team management in the coming mm-hmm. days right mm-hmm. this is one mm-hmm. thing the other thing well even though when you look at the partnership between rohit sharma and kohli it does look a little pedestrian but towards the end they were accelerating beautifully so i think the the wicket loss was a bit premature because if mm. kohli had lasted another 3 to 4 overs uh, i i see that the, you know they would have made up another 15 runs there the 15 runs mm. that they gave away in the first 10 overs would have been made up then and there so that mm. was another thing rohit sharma i think went through the gears beautifully and by the time he got out he got to a strike rate of 93 but given that is batting with kohli and kohli himself was having a strike rate of 86 you could easily imagine that they could have made this up pant did a decent job coming into the squad in place of vijay shankar uh, he was beginning to nail those uh, hard hitting pulls and everything but yeah, he was out to a very very good catch by wokes nobody thought he would get to it this was a diving catch in the boundary and that was very well done and then again pandya himself was also caught of a very good catch so those things were mm. coming in as a bit unexpected so the other thing i found to be a bit weird is even though bumrah bowled really well shami was a bit costly towards the end shami took a 5-4 nothing to take away from him but i think he was a bit costly i think his 48th over of the game or the 49th over of the game, i can't remember which one were very costly that was sort of unexpected from him right the other thing i don't know if uh, jadhav is carrying an injury you would have expected that he would have made up a few of these overs from the spinners given that yeah. i think kuldeep bowled better than his uh, analysis indicates but chahal mm. was not very effective today mm. right it was probably mm. not a day for right handed spinners even adil rashid was not very effective yeah. but there you would imagine jadhav to chip in with four or five customary you know mm. low low trajectory whatever you call those 
results <laughs> that was unfortunate that he was not uh, employed either uh, pandya did a decent job but then there was nobody to rise up to the challenge other than bomra Mm. and i thought at some point in time between if i remember right over numbers 29 to 34 india considered 11 runs only and took two wickets those of yeah. joru as well as uh, besto if i'm not wrong so yeah. that was a turning point but they couldn't turn the screws thereafter so ben stokes broke free and with butler he took england to a very competitive total so all in all it was a bit disappointing but look if you look at the bigger picture uh, probably this this is a good thing as far as the indian team is concerned that mm. they are able to taste defeat and they are able to harden up a bit more maybe instead of getting into a complacent state they are now focusing on what to improve right that's yeah. a good thing forward they have two more matches one against sri lanka one against bangladesh so they can actually uh, make sure if they are able to nail down the qualification with a win against bangladesh they have uh, they have a slightly easier journey on the other mm. hand what you mentioned just earlier if pakistan were to you know win the game against bangladesh uh, then it's it's going to be all all to play for when bangladesh plays india so let's see how that goes mm. Mm. yeah and talking about england's batting performance uh, i was watching this interview of uh, johnny besto player of the match and uh, how he played uh, spin so well he said he played the ball based on merit there was no preplanned uh, thing about you know attacking the spinners or anything like that and he credited um i would say i mean he credited uh, vvs lakshman for his uh, you know mentorship when he was playing for uh, sunrisers in the ipl so vvs lakshman apparently helped him helped him out about uh, you know how how to play spin and uh, how to approach and what are the hitting areas and uh, how to construct an innings when you're playing uh, spin bowling especially so that was good of him you know, to you know to credit his uh, improvement to vvs Uh, so so england are learning and uh, because of all these uh, t20 leagues i think people are learning from each other so batting is getting easier and easier and after a long while i think we we got to see uh, 300 plus score both teams scoring 300 and more i think if you look at all the matches that were played i think probably since the beginning of the week towards the end of this uh, week it was more uh, you know reminiscent of the 1990s 220 to 250 and that was <laughs> more than enough right so people were uh, teams were able to defend such a low score mm-hmm. and now we are again seeing a 300 plus score uh, so let's see how it goes well, well, i don't know if this edge beston pitch was it a used one or is it a new one for this match may have been a new one i think okay. that's what we get to see i think this was more batting friendly compared with all the other matches that we had in this week so anyway we'll see what happens uh, mm-hmm. so i think the next match i India will play Bangladesh I think that's going to be crucial for Bangladesh especially and England of course uh, or, or Pakistan will also have to play Bangladesh right so we'll see how that goes right uh, two deciding matches I think especially mm-hmm. for Pakistan indeed indeed so uh, tomorrow uh, that is the 1st of July begins the next uh, more important match well this is more of a pride it's important mm. because both these teams Sri Lanka and West Indies will probably don't uh, have a chance of qualifying west indies definitely not sri lanka well just a sliver so probably they are going to play for the pride here so uh, i hope both the teams you know put forward their best foot and try to see if they can at least salvage some pride this is going to be played in chester street so we are really looking to see how it goes right now uh, if you look at the other world cup news we understand that brathwaite has been fined uh, for questioning a wide in the game versus india and he's been fined appropriately and then kasun rajita the sri lankan fast bowler replaces nuan pradeep uh, who unfortunately is out with chicken pox and uh, 
for the remaining matches in this uh, World Cup squad, Rajita replaces Pradeep, right? And um, if you look at the other news, the news from around the world, cricketing news, so we hear that there have been some coaching um, decisions and uh, with the 100 picking up pace and set to debut in 2020, Mahela Jayavardhana has been named as the head coach of Southern Braves, the 100 side based in Southampton. And then Shane Bond looks to be his assistant, right? Also, there are some other rumours and uh, news. So, Andrew McDonald is more or less certain to be the coach of Birmingham Phoenix. Daniel Vettori will be his deputy. And then um, Shane Warren has been tapped to be the coach of London Spirit. Also, Stephen Fleming will be probably the head coach of Trent Rockets. Most of these things are about to be uh, nailed down. And mm-hmm. the, the final round of talks, as we hear, are being uh, undertaken, except Mahela has already signed. This is what we hear. Right. Right. Uh, well, I mean, this is something we'll set aside for another day, but I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on what the 100 you think will be, right? And how you think it will go. Now, uh, another ugly issue with respect to, you know, overage players representing uh, age cricket has come up where Rasik Salam, uh, who played uh, one game in for Mumbai Indians in the IPL, has been found to be a bit older than he actually claimed to be. He's been withdrawn from the India Under-19 squad going to the World Cup next month and has been banned for two years by BCCI. This is this is a very unfortunate event in the life of this young man. I don't think it was his 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 decision to do this thing, but this is a very unfortunate thing, and we hope he bounces back and bounces back stronger. Right? Now, if you go on to the trivia question, the trivia question from the previous episode was a slightly tricky one. So, we had asked, what is the most number of bites considered in an ODI match, not in an innings? So, our, uh, many of our regular listeners seem to have picked it up. We have a couple of half answers, but only Yogesh seemed to have picked the full question and come up with the real answer. So the real answer is there are two matches, both in Pakistan. So in the very early days of ODIs. So one was Pakistan versus New Zealand held in Seattle Court in 1976, where Pakistan considered 18 buys and uh, New Zealand considered three. Uh, well, the other way around. New Zealand considered 18 buys and Pakistan considered three. And then... Uh, in the other match that is uh, we can talk about is the one in 1986 between Pakistan and West Indies, this time at Multan. So 16 buys were considered by Pakistan and 5 by West Indies. Both of these matches had a total of 21 buys. This is the answer we were looking for. We got a couple of half answers where a couple of people guessed one or the other. We will always encourage you to go a bit deeper, but we are really happy to see these answers coming through. right? So the trivia question for this week is, in a World Cup match, how many times have the last three wickets to fall in an innings been to hat-tricks, right? So you can get in touch with us uh, to give us the answers to these questions or maybe, you know, share your thoughts and comments on social media platforms like Twitter, where we are available on at armchaircrickpod via our Facebook page, or you could write into us at armchaircrickpod at gmail.com or leave a comment using whichever, uh, you know, app you use to listen to the podcast. Right? For example, Apple Podcast, Podbean, any of these. Right? There, there are plenty of very interesting matches coming up in this week, you know, with teams looking to at least seal their spots or at least, uh, you know, reserve one specific spot going into the knockout. So I hope you do stay tuned in and listen to all our episodes coming up. Right? Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.